This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey, and uh, thanks for listening here. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. And um, you can see me, hear me. Uh, if you have to reach me, we're going to give you a couple of ways to do that. First of all, happy Sunday. Uh, you're here in the morning if you're on the West Coast. You're here somewhere in late morning in the middle of the country and back east. It is already afternoon. So um, firstly, I want to thank our sponsor, and that is Paul Fume. And it's perfumed by Dr. Jeff Werber. It is a line of products that I had started years ago, and it was really great stuff. Uh, if you know anything about business and brick and mortar, I sort of got beat up in the in the retail market, but the products were amazing. In fact, our ear cleaner, which is available, it's the ear cleaner on perfume by Dr. Jeff. It was the number one selling ear cleaner at Petco, and it's really amazing. Plus, some products that, that are available for you that we, you can't even find anywhere else. My um, Skin & Coat Amalian Spray is the bomb. And by teaming up with Perfume, a perfume scents company for pets, not only is the stuff effective and great, but it also smells great. Um, your pets will smell great, feel great. And another one of my favorite products is my first aid spray. Again, you would think that in the human market, there are so many different first aid topicals, and there are really very few OTC products. I mean, yeah, you can use triple antibiotic ointment, but it's going to be gooey. It's going to occlude the skin. This is a water-based spray, antibacterial, uh, soothing, and uh, once again, because of the perfume connection, it smells amazingly good. So um, anyway, to get a hold of me, if you want to have any question about your pet, anything you want to talk about, now's the time to do it. You can call 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Uh, you can also send me a text. Go to Pet Life Radio, and you can click on my show, Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff, and there's a little chat box right there. I'm looking at it right now. It's empty. Let's fill it. And um, lastly, you can just send me an email to Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff, at PetLifeRadio.com. As you know, I always like to start my show. I kind of peruse the news, what's going on in the pet world. And there's some you know, interesting stuff. Then towards the end of the show, what I want to do, something very important, since I'm going to be traveling next Sunday, won't be there. So we're going to talk about 4th of July. And 4th of July is really, really important stuff because it is a very potentially dangerous time for our pets. And what we want to do is make sure that your pets are safe. And uh, that's the key. So um, let's start with some AVMA and American Animal Hospital uh, Association uh, smart brief news and trends news. And um, so this was, you know, we, I think we talked about this a while ago. But there's a newer study now that dogs can recognize our facial expressions. And so what they did was the study, they showed photos of different human expressions to dogs, you know, large, large groups of dogs. This is statistically significant stuff. And they found that they were monitoring the dog's responses to our expressions. So, for example, this was really cool. If, and they can actually can see different responses. So if we looked at the heart, the heart rates would go up, they would turn their heads to the left. I have no idea what that means. When they saw expressions of anger, fear, or even happiness. So just really extreme expressions. They would turn their heads to the right with expressions of surprise. So if you went, right, if you could see me, it's, oh, my God. Um, they will turn their heads to the right. And they did not seem to react to a look of either sadness or disgust. So go figure. 
Then there was another study, it's so interesting that these two things came out at the same time, that they can also get us to do things based on their expressions. For example, they use gaze and gestures to get what they want from us. Duh. Here, 19 different references to gestures. They give us when a different gesture if they want something, like food or water, if they want us to open a door or get a toy for them, or if they want to be petted. Then they use gazes, head turns, roll over. They prod their noses. We know that. They lift their paws if they want something from us. So basically, in short, as if we didn't know this already, they've got us pegged. <laughs> there is no way we can say no when we have the, these dogs doing this to us. Uh, this was interesting, and this is very important stuff, especially this time of year. Many of us, because of the good weather, are going to be hiking more with our pets. We're going to be getting out. We're going to be getting into you know mountains, trails, and you might encounter venomous snakes. What do you do? Well, first of all, know that this is real. It's a real threat. I recommend there are vaccines for snake bites. Check with your veterinarian. Uh, they are not foolproof. They are not going to 100%. They will help and they will give you a little more time to get to an emergency facility to be treated with antivenin the proper way. Rattlesnakes, copperheads, etc. Pythons. Well, actually, pythons are pretty good. They're not really poisonous. They, they can squeeze you to death. What you shouldn't do is what you see on TV the old-fashioned way. And that is you should not make a slice, a cut, and try to suck the venom out. You should not apply ice nor should you use a tourniquet. And one of the, the reasons for this is that as the venom circulates in the blood, the more it circulates, the more blood, the more dilute it becomes. When you apply a tourniquet and you keep it in one spot, that's when you get these horrendous infections and dying tissue, etc. They've proven scientifically that the old Western make the slice, you know, the X over the bite wounds and stuck the venom out. That doesn't do anything except might get you sick. And it's pretty disgusting depending on where the bite is, of course. But anyway, not recommended. Next up, there are two airline stories. Go figure, right? Spring and summer, people traveling, people traveling with their pets. And um, so Delta Airlines has new policies effective around the corner, July 10th. And this is limiting emotional support animals in the cabin to one pet per customer. And here's the tricky one. It's banning pit bull type dogs as comfort or service animals, which, of course, this latter part of this new rule going in July 10th is going to create a lot of heat amongst the pet community, as study after study has shown that these dogs are, first of all, they're not any worse than any other dog. Their bites could be worse. But behaviorally, if you have a well-behaved uh, pit bull, not only that, and this is what people don't understand, I've, I've mentioned this before, that back in the day, back in the day, if you ever could call a pit bull fighting a gentlemanly sport, believe it or not, it was in, in the United Kingdom. And uh, they would, if there was any dog that showed any aggression towards a person, that dog was taken out to the back and killed. It was not tolerated. So when you hear all these horror stories about these pit bulls and attacking people and, and running loose, et cetera, et cetera, that's the owner. That's whoever the, the dog's nature, their innate nature is not to behave that way. So anyway, that's just an FYI. Now, then let's talk about this one. We've talked about United Airlines. So far, last year, there were 24 re now, reported animal deaths on U.S. Airlines, 18 of them. United Airlines. Now, to be fair, statistically, United Airlines also carried way more pets than other airlines. But this is something that's very important. They did not enforce restrictions 
on certain breeds. And I, mean, I don't mean aggressive breeds. The flat-nosed dogs, what we call brachycephalics, the ones that can have breathing trouble, like the Boston Terrier and the Pug and the French Bulldog and the English Bulldog and the Pekingese. So all these breeds that have really you know, Japanese chin that have these little you know, pushed-in faces, they have more breathing difficulty, especially when overheated or stressed. Now, none of these reports really specified whether the deaths were from animals down below in cargo or in the cabin. So we have to, you know, adjust them with the read them with a grain of salt. However, uh, they have changed since changed their policies. They're going to have breed and size restrictions. I don't know what they're going to be yet. You can go online, I'm sure, to United Airlines and check it out. But anyway, at least something's being done. Now, mammary tumors. I, you know, I just had a discussion about this the other day with a, a new clients, had a three-year-old female still intact. And we talked, I mean, I'm shocked. I said, Are you, you're not using it for breeding. No, no, no. I said, we really need to have her fixed. And they were battling, they're fighting me on it. And I, you know, I told them that, you know, it's really too bad because the best time to have spayed her, and she was a small dog, would have been around six months of age. Why? Because ideally, your best chance of mammary cancer risk reduction is if they're spayed before the first heat. You get a decent, very decent, if they have one heat and you spay them after the first, but before the second, for second heats around 14 months of age. And this is what I recommend for the large breed dogs because there also is another, on the other side of the coin, there is apparently a link to bone cancer and early spay neuter. Actually, in this report, it was done on Rottweilers, a dog pretty well known to have, you know, develop bone cancer. And But there are, the bone cancer can happen to any big breed. And I just had this week a Boston Terrier with bone cancer. So it can even happen in small breeds, though clearly not as prevalent. So the stats were a 65% greater incidence in long bone cancer in the males that were pre-puberty neutered and a 35% increase in females that were pre-puberty spayed. So we need to sort of weigh both of those when it comes to the female dogs for best breast cancer prevention and yet also do what we can for helping mitigate bone cancer later on in life. But this report is out and it just says mammary tumors, common and intact dogs, both male and female, by the way, but of course, highly prevalent in female, so much that roughly the reports say seven to 10 times more prevalent in females than in women, female dogs and women. So it kind of shows you how it's actually one of the more common of all the cancers amongst females. So the females during males can help. And I just want to drive that point home because that is very important. I mean, besides the behavior issues, besides the other health issues, you know, obviously you spay a dog, she's not going to get pyometra. She's not going to get endometritis, ovarian issues. There's so many things that are related. And if you're going to have a dog, that's your pet. And one thing you need to know, as far as secondary sex traits, those are things like voice and developing breasts and all those things. That doesn't happen in dogs. So it doesn't change their pitch of their bark and it doesn't change their abdomens. So there's really no reason. It doesn't change their territoriality when it comes to watchdogging. In fact, there are a lot of dogs out there, female dogs that are spayed, that you would not want to walk into that house or backyard without some warning or without the owner. So just know that female dogs can be trained to be just as aggressive for training purposes, of course. In fact, there's some municipalities that prefer females over males because they know that the males, they lose their attention sometimes and they get more interested in other things like female dogs that are, are intact. So uh, anyway, just something to consider. Feral cats. Now, I talk about this all the time. Now, of course, there's a difference whether you live in a city or whether you live out in the country. I have six and they are all indoors. And 
what's interesting, and, I, and, I, and it's a line I often give to clients who have indoor outdoor cats. If you live, especially in a city like Los Angeles, there are many hazards for outdoor cats, such as dogs, cars, coyotes, feline leukemia virus, feline AIDS virus, and it's just not safe out there. You know, inclement weather. You live in New York. What's going to happen? The cats are going to look for some shelter. They're going to find it under the hood of a car that was just driven and it's warm and then you fall asleep. And then guess what happens next morning? The driver, the owner comes out, starts the car and you have a mangled cat gets caught in the fan belt. I mean, there are so many potential hazards. So think about this. One intact female stray or outdoor cat. All right. So either outdoor or feral, could be even be feral, can basically have nearly two dozen kittens a year. So that, first of all, if these kittens are found, they're filling shelters. Free roaming cats have poor quality of life, a much shorter life expectancy due to, as we mentioned, trauma, disease, poor nutrition, extreme weather, etc. Um, predators. And they also, as they're feeding on things they shouldn't be, they can disrupt the ecosystem. Bottom line, bottom line, very simple. If you First of all, get your cats fixed. There's no reason not to. And then secondly, if you live in a dangerous area, and as I said, even a nice city, it'd be dangerous for a, a free roaming cat, consider keeping them indoors. Now, let me give you a case in point for all of you out there that's saying, oh no, they're poor, they have a hunting instinct. They have this. You know, let, let me tell you something. I have six, as I said, all rescues. One of them was not from a rescue group or brought into my hospital. And I kind of got suckered in and fell in love as I have obviously many times and brought them home. Uh, my newest cat, a uh, little, he's phenomenal. Ponzu was just one such cat where he came in, he was found in a dumpster in an alley. And my, uh, my staff wanted me to uh, put them out front. We have it during the spring and summer, during kitten season. We put a, one of these huge cages out front, have all these kittens running around and then adopt me, take me home, you know, whatever. And they are so cute. So anyway, they asked me if they can put this cat in that carrier, that cage out front. And I said, no, 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 no. They go, how come? They were so mad at me. How come? You know, look how cute it is. Look at that. I said, because I'm taking him. <laughs> he is great. Anyway, so our big, we have a big black cat named Ninja who was uh, found outside. He was running around the neighborhood. My daughter was sitting out front. He came up. He loved to get petted. He had no ID. And she pet him a little bit. And then that was it. A friend came to pick her up. That's why she was waiting outside. And that was it. About two, three days later, out there again, he comes up. This time she runs in the house and gets some food. What a mistake. Well, not really, because it worked out great. So now this cat is so affectionate and so sweet. And uh, so we put notices up. I took it to my office, scanned for microchip. There was no microchip. And I said, okay, well, we'll keep him. So at first in the house, and he, and I, he was running free. Anytime there was an open door, an open window, he would make a beeline and he would go out, but he would always come right back. I mean, now the door can be wide open and he'll walk up. He takes a peek to one side, takes a peek to the other side and runs right back in the house. He's got it so good. What does he want to be out there for? He's got his square meals a day. He's got other cats and dogs to play with. He's got lots of attention, comfy couches, comfy beds. What does he want to be outside for? So really, uh, it's really better for the cats. And uh, now of course, if you live in the country and you don't have to worry about the same things, then if you want to have like a barn cat, I mean, that's certainly doable. Nutritionally, before we go for a break, dogs, they seem to prefer fatty foods and carbs over protein, interestingly. And cats, you think, oh my God, obligate carnivores, they want protein. They prefer the carbs, which is why so many cats don't even like a lot of canned food, but love the dry food, tons of carbs. 43% carbs over and 30% uh, protein. Uh, they like the carbs over the protein. Now, here's something before we go to break. And this is something that I've, I've stressed again and again and again. And, um, and uh, this is kind of, it's so common. Trendy canine diets. For those of you out there, listen up because this is really important stuff. 
So uh, this was done at Tufts School of Veterinary Medicine, the Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine in Boston by a Dr. Lisa Freeman and a board-certified veterinary nutritionist. And what she basically has been seeing more cases of nutritional deficiencies due to unconventional diets like unbalanced home-cooked foods, raw foods, veggie diets, veggie and vegan, be careful, even though, yes, can a dog eat veggie? Can Are they omnivorous? Yes. But guess what? They do much better with meat. And also the boutique commercial foods. So also seeing more cases of dilated cardiomyopathy that is definitely linked to nutrition. And so anything like human source foods, small batch foods may be the um, reason for this. So just note, there are many high quality commercial diets available that are tested and retested and balanced, whether pet specialty, even supermarket, just be really careful. Talk to your veterinarian. If you're just putting foods together, talk to a veterinarian, maybe consult with a veterinary nutritionist. Um, There are many, many things you can do. So um, I would go for it. Oh, one last thing before we stop the break, Crufts Kennel Club, you've heard of it, famous kennel club. They are really coming down on these judges judging for exaggerated features. We talked about the pushed in face dogs. We talked about the German Shepherd that sloped down. And they're choosing those dogs, and that's getting people to want to get more sloped down, more pushed in faces, and it's a problem. So uh, anyway, we're uh, going uh, to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back, and we're going to talk about Fourth of July. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. When Helen Brown ran away to New York City five years ago, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut and enough catitude to light up the Empire State Building would be the one to teach her the true meaning of love and a forever home. In the tradition of her internationally best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, the amazing story of a rescue cat who inspired a community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor. A homeless cat without much hope, and finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Modern Cat Magazine calls Bono an uplifting tale about how everyone deserves love and a second chance. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Super Mega Fish Oil. Get the third bottle free. Packed with omega-3, DHA, and EPA fatty acids. Super Mega is great for your dog's immune system, healthy skin, and soft, shiny fur. Dogs love it. Try Super Omega Fish Oil. Buy two. Get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're live with Dr. Jeff Werber. 
here on Pet Life Radio. And before the break, we talked about 4th of July. I'm going to be traveling next week and we'll miss you all. So um, uh, still, if you have any questions, you can always get a hold of me at drjeff at petliferadio.com. I will have access to my emails and I will answer you uh, live as soon as I can. 4th of July, great time, a lot of fun, but you know what? Not so always so much fun for our pets. And there are a number of things. First of all, a lot of pets, as you know, seem to freak out with the fireworks, the loud noises. You know your pets. So whatever we can do to minimize that, either maybe put them in a quieter room. If people are coming over and you're going to have like a party, dogs might try to escape out of fear. So make sure they're going to be outside, which I don't know if I'd recommend outside, but they should be in a fenced in, securely fenced in area. I'd prefer keeping them in a house, maybe in a room that can you can a little bit quieter. If you um, make sure they have their ID on 100 percent, do not give them a chance to escape. So that means collar with an ID tag and a microchip. Very, very important. And, um, you know, look, they may come over to you with the noise and they start, you know, coddling and, and want your affection. You don't want to ignore them, but you don't want to go nuts either because you don't want to reinforce that behavior. And, you know, we talked weeks and weeks ago about how to actually start to desensitize them to the noise and actually make them like it. But it takes time. You won't have time to do this now if you're listening to this for the first time. Uh, you can also speak to your veterinarian and you know think about some sort of calming, whether supplements, natural things, valerian, passionflower, chamomile, California poppy, all these things seem to help, or the medications, the drugs. Now, yes, do I love the drugs? No, but what I hate worse, our dogs are getting really stressed out. Stress is really not healthy for our pets, not healthy for us either. So lowers immune system. So if you have a dog that is so crazy, talk to your veterinarian, things like oh, azepromazine, things like Xanax, Alprazolam. You can't start like Prozac now. It takes about 30 days to start working. So you're gonna have to think of something that's gonna work more quickly. But again, that's a conversation you have to have with your veterinarian. Also, what you could do, it starts pretty quickly. As we talked about the Calms Vest, C-A-L-M-Z. The Calms Vest is amazing. It basically has a little unit that goes, it fits into a pocket on the back of the vest, which sits right at a pressure point for calming. It's an acupressure point. It emits the note in the key of C along with the vibration. So it vibrates right over that spot that right near a little above the shoulder blades that really is used even by acupuncturists and pressure, uh, acupressure to cause some calming and relaxation. And it also is playing in the background a very light version of Beethoven's Fur Elise. The dogs seem to respond well to classical music. It's soothing to them. So the Calms Vest, it's great. Actually, it came down in price recently to uh, just under $100. Uh, something, it's the best thing out there. And it tested extremely well by the experts. So think about the Calms Vest. You can go online to calmz.com and pick one up. That would be a great solution. Drug free. That makes me happy. Now, what about other things about 4th of July? You know, people don't think. They always think about it. It's the fireworks and the noise and the freaking out pets. But there are other things that we do on 4th of July. We usually have barbecues. And people come over and it's fun and it's festive. Yeah, that's great. But there are some things that we need to worry about. First of all, you got to be careful of fatty foods. Nuts that are out for munching on. Could be a problem. Macadamia nuts, walnuts. They have a high fat content. Bones. Poultry bones, chicken bones are not good for pets. But basically happens is they will crack them easily. You have very sharp edges and that can cut the esophagus on the way down. Do not make your pet vomit if he's already gotten into the chicken bones. All right. Counterproductive. Uh, once it's in the stomach, it's better off than trying to come back out again because once again, it gives it a second chance to cut the esophagus. Much more difficult to deal with, much more expensive to deal with, much more dangerous to deal with is a cut esophagus 
over a cut or tear in the stomach or intestine. So keep that in mind. Bones, the, the hard bones. Oh, yes, look, you eat the ribs and you're done with the ribs and you got that really hard bone. Let's give it to Bowser. Well, yeah, you know what? Better, better, but Bowser's got a good jaw. Bowser can break into that bone and then have the same problem. Cut into a smaller piece, he can choke on it. But more importantly, or as importantly, the bone marrow is also very fatty. And dogs can get pancreatitis from really eating at that bone marrow. So my recommendation always is look for an alternative. Um, one of my favorite is dream bone or smart bone. They look, they taste, they chew like real rawhide hard bones. But the benefit is they are digestible, made out of chicken and vegetables and digestible. So it's safe for your pets. Gives them something to munch on. Raw onions, raw garlic. If you're going to make onions and you're going to slice them thin and so you can put them on your burger. Yeah, that's great. But guess what? Raw onions and raw garlic are potentially dangerous to dogs. Why they eat them raw, I have no idea, but they do. They do. My own dog, my own stupid Labrador, got into a – there was an onion on the counter, a full red onion. Why the heck would I think he's going to eat a raw red onion? But guess what? He did. Fortunately, he was a big dog. He's a very big dog, so he was okay. But still, something to be aware of. Next up, and this is probably one of the biggest dangers, and I'm just – I'm going to have to reiterate, and I'm going to reiterate again and again. Corn on the cob, often a staple at a barbecue, and we go ahead and we eat the uh, corn off the cob, and then what do we do with the cob? We toss it, or sometimes even worse, we take that full corn, we cut it in half. It's a little easier. It's a little more bite-sized, and so now you have two half-sized cobs, and guess what? Dogs love to eat them, and they will swallow them, and they will swallow them whole, and then it starts coursing, makes it through the, into the stomach. It starts its course through the intestine, and then it lodges. It lodges, whether it's the ileocecal junction, it lodges at a place where all of a sudden it is too wide. It can no longer make it through. And these things will take forever to digest. And they cause a not so much a major blockage, but as the intestine tries to constrict down to propel this thing through peristaltic waves, it starts cutting off the blood supply of the intestine. We get intestinal tears. We call that perforation. We have a very, very sick dog. It could also be a very, very dead dog. So I just cannot stress enough that if you are eating corn, you have to take those cobs, make sure your guests know this as well, and throw them away in a very secure trash bin. You do not want your dog getting a hold of them. I have taken out many over the years, and I've had some very sick dogs in the process when they eat these things. Fortunately, with when you get to it soon enough and you can see it, sometimes you can see the, the perfect cob with the, the little indentations from where the corn kernels were on a really clear x-ray or an ultrasound. But you just have to know it's a very dangerous piece of non-food that dogs love to eat. And lastly, if you have a pool, make sure your dogs are safe, good swimmers. And just in general, you know, typical stuff we talk about all the time this time of year. Beat the heat, keep them indoors, keep them shaded, plenty of water. Don't exercise in the middle of the day and never in a parked car. So anyway, thanks for joining me here. I want to thank Pawfume. And uh, what I want to do is uh, you go online to pawfumepremium.com. There is a discount code. You can put it in the box to 20% off any purchase, full purchases. Uh, just put in Dr. Jeff in the discount code box. Dr. Jeff, 20% off Pawfume Premium products. I want you to try my emollient. I want you to try the shampoos. I want you to try this um, ear cleaner. It's fantastic. There's also some videos online, pawfumepremium.com, where you can actually see how how these things work uh really really good stuff um follow me on instagram uh you'll see great pictures i promise you you're going to bring a smile to your face when you see them i see the cutest 
animals every day, and I like to share them with you. And that is at Dr. Jeff Werber on Instagram. And of course, you can see me on Facebook. And I'm, I'm heading to the Super Zoo this week. I'm going to be doing many segments. We're going to repost them on my Facebook, I'm doing CBS and ABC segments. I did Fox two weeks ago. And so those will be available for you to uh, view. And other than that, I will see you back in two weeks as I will be in Mexico uh, next Sunday. All right. Have a great uh, couple of weeks. Have a very safe, fun July 4th. And we'll see you uh, in two weeks. Be well. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.